On today's St. Louis Sports Calzone, we have Emily Schrader, St. Louis University Billikens Division I NCAA athlete, swimmer, coming on the show. She's also my cousin, so there's that. That's crazy. Um, so we have that interview. I'm also debuting some new segments, trying some new things out, and having fun with it. So I got a great show for you today. I'm excited. Let's go. Getting born in the state of Mississippi. Papa was a copper and a mama was a hippie. In Alabama, she was swinging a hammer. Price you gotta pay when you break the panorama. She never knew that there was anything more than gold. What in the world does your company take me for? Black bandana, sweet Louisiana. Robbing on a bank in the state of Indiana. She's a It's the St. Louis Sports Cow Zone presented by... Yours truly. Welcome to episode eight, the Kirk Cousins episode. Today is Friday, April 3rd, another week of quarantine and homework completed. So the Friday energy right now is big time. But to be honest, it doesn't really feel like a Friday given that now it's the weekend and there's still nothing to do. However, there is news to report from the Ready household. A few weeks ago, my dearest mother initiated a movement for our family to play a board or card game every night during quarantine, and with that, the Corona Cup was born. The inaugural and hopefully final Corona Cup has included games such as Settlers of Catan, Catchphrase, Rummy Cube, and some team badminton to get the blood flowing. Through our contests so far, the standings are as follows. Katie in the lead with seven wins, Marie with five, Mom with four, and myself bringing up the rear with three. In regard to my performance thus far, I make no excuses and I understand what I need to do in order to get back in the race. I will comment no further. Of her two-game lead ahead of the pack, Katie said only that she, quote, lets her game do the talking. Oh, is this for that podcast thing you're doing? End quote. And now for a final piece of news. My brother is on the Corona Cup DL due to his dog allergy, which has caused him to quarantine himself in his off-campus residence near Washu where he'll graduate from in a couple months. But even though he can't compete, shout out to Jimmy because he just got accepted as a Fulbright Scholar, which is a big deal, so congrats, Jimmy. And now it's time for my interview with Emily Schrader. I'm joined now by Billiken swimmer Emily Schrader. Emily, it's good to have you on. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. For sure, for sure. So, uh, Emily, we'll get to your, to your swimming career later, which I know you just can't wait to talk about. But for now, we'll start with a wider scope of swimming as a whole. So, with the 2020 Olympics having been canceled, do you personally sense any concern from the world of, sw- of swimming, given that it only gets its chance in the public eye once every four years? Yeah, I actually um, am pretty concerned you know, like, nine out of the ten times when I, like, mention that I'm a swimmer and start talking about swimming, people always say, oh, I watched that in the Olympics, or I love to watch, like, Michael Phelps or whoever swim, and so without the Olympics this summer, I definitely think that there's going to be a hit to, like, popularity of the sport, especially because, like, like you said, swimming is rarely broadcasted as publicly as other sports. So, like, the Olympics really put swimming in the limelight. And not only that, a lot of times advertisements and stuff are run 
during the Olympics about joining swim clubs and like swim clubs in particular areas. So um, I just think that a lot of people are going to miss out on opportunities to start swimming too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think also just with like the other Olympic sports could be seeing some of the same issues. So hopefully there will be a way to resolve that, I guess. Um, but you mentioned Michael Phelps, argued by many to be the greatest Olympian ever, regardless of sport. Um, t- something like 28 uh, Olympic medals. It's safe to say that he took swimming, especially in America, to another level. But he's been retired for a few years now. So two questions. Number one, do we need a top dog necessarily in swimming? And if so, who is it? Um, well, honestly, right now, I feel like there are a lot of top dogs. Um, the first few to come to my mind were Caleb Dressel. He's a sprinter from America. Swam at Florida. Um, he's super dominant, like the 50 free, the 100 free, the 100 fly. But honestly, put him in anything under a 200 and so put up a really good race. And then, honestly, there's more on the women's side, in my opinion. Um, Katie Ledecky, she is a freestyle powerhouse. She can do pretty much any distance of freestyle. You could put her in the mile, and she'll win. You could put her in the 50, and she'll put up a really good fight, which I think is something that's, like, really special. And then Katinka Hosu from Hungary, they call her the Iron Woman. She can swim just about any stroke and like be right in the mix top three easily so I think she's another one of the top dogs but I don't personally think that there's ever going to be another top dog like Michael Phelps for a while like he was so versatile and he really like branded himself in and out of the water not only that he competed in so many Olympics he came out of retirement for 2016 um, after taking an entire year off of swimming, and he still medaled and like made an impact in the games, which I think is just like crazy. So I don't know if there's going to be another top dog like him for a while, if ever. So you mentioned Katie Ledecky. Um, I know you've talked before about her being sort of an inspiration in your own swimming career. So yeah, if you could just touch on sort of the influence that she's had um, in your own life? Well, I think the coolest thing about Katie Ledecky is that she made her Olympic debut at 15 years old. And she won the 800 freestyle by a landslide. And that's how a lot of her races have been ever since she really came up on the scene. And she, people that compete against her have said, like, if I can see even her feet barely, um, I'm, like, super excited, and I know I'm going to have a great race. So, for me, it's just, like, she really revolutionized women's swimming, in my opinion, because she started doing things and, like, training and racing in a way that no one had really seen before. She goes out really hard, and she holds her, like, really fast pace the whole time. And for me, that's something, like, I always try to do. I've heard her talk, like, after races and stuff, basically just saying, you know, I knew I was just going to go out as fast and as hard as I could and just try and hold on. And I think that that's super uh, inspiring because, for me, if I finish a race and I feel like I have more in the tank, I get kind of frustrated. I'm like, why didn't I go out harder, go out faster? So just, like, watching her give it all she has from the first lap of her super long distance races, or even just like the first lap of a 200 free, 
um, just go out with all that she has and try and hold on to that. I think that that's something that I want to translate into my swimming too. So she's just a bold racer and I, I really like to watch her swim. Sounds like we, uh, sounds like we're moving on from slow and steady wins the race. Um, I guess we would describe her as, as the hair in that scenario. Hair, H-A-R-E, by the way, rabbit. Um, so now on to your swimming career. So one year down, three more to go. Um, what is your specialty in the water? You mentioned Katie Ledecky did the freestyle, and she's somebody who's inspired your style of racing, but is that where you um, feel yourself more comfortable in the freestyle or in some of the other events? Um, as of right now, I don't really have like a specialty. I've been for a lot of different coaches growing up, so I've trained in a lot of different ways, and I've been put in just about every event. And I kind of like just mixing it up and training a little bit of everything. My coach at Blue actually like calls me his jack of all trades, and he kind of just throws me in the events where he needs people. So, like, typically it's stuff that people don't want to swim. But um, I started really liking – actually, I don't know if liking is the right word. But I started getting better at the 400 IM, which is kind of like a little bit of everything. And um, I do, like, freestyle too. But as of right now, I'm just kind of doing whatever my coach needs me to do. Good stuff. Coach's, coach's player. Um so this year you made it to the conference championships. Congratulations. Uh, only one of a handful of freshmen earning the right to compete at that level. Uh, moving forward into next year, junior, senior year, uh, do you have any goals? I mean, obviously yeah. you have goals. Sorry, obviously you have goals, but like, I mean, we talking, we talking natties next year? We're talking national championships? Um, I think that might be a little too ambitious, but... <laughs> Next year, I'm really just hoping to um, contribute even more to the team, hopefully score some more points at our midseason invite. I scored a few this year, but I'm hoping to uh, final in more events next year at that. And then eventually, I really would like to score points at conference. Um, our conference, the Atlantic 10, is super quick. So going to the meet this year was really humbling, especially because I started this year as a walk-on. So to earn my spot on the conference team was just, like, really exciting. But, you know, I had a lot to prove. And after seeing, you know, these people throw down crazy times, I, it made me want to just, like, go back and train even more so I could make it into those finals and sometimes like that, too. So hopefully next season just have another good year and make it back to conference and maybe score some points for Slough. So when that happens... And you do make it back to conference. Um, when it's time for that big race, you know you got to get your mind right. You got to m- get mentally prepared. Do you have a pregame routine, or, or or perhaps like a certain playlist or something that you listen to to just get hyped up so you can be throwing down some good times? Um, well, I always warm up for all of my races. Some people like to kind of go cold turkey, but I always like to get back in the warm up lane a few minutes before my race and just do some sprints and just, like, get my heart rate up. And then some people like to listen to music and kind of just, like, zone out behind the blocks. But I do better when I just kind of goof around. And I like to talk to the people next to me, even if I don't know them. <laughs> when I get nervous, I just start talking. So I, I do that behind the blocks, too. And then I always just, like, jump around 
recently I started like kind of smacking my legs a little bit, smacking my arms just to kind of get them fired up. I don't know. I always try to smile behind the blocks too because, I don't know. Because we're having fun. That's what it's all about. Yeah, having a more positive attitude, I guess. But, I don't know. Just having fun. That's the goal, I guess. So the three keys to success, you heard it here first, folks. Emily Schrader, you spaz out behind the box, you talk you talk trash to people that you don't know, and you smile. That's what it's all about. Um, so we've talked about the conference championships happening. Uh, unfortunately, like many other college winter sports, the NCAA championships were canceled due to coronavirus. Uh, we know it's important to be flattening the curve, but, I mean, that's really got to stink for the people who had to miss that. Um, do you have any thoughts on like a solution or like how we could be able to get those people to compete at that level? Um, especially for the ones that it's their senior year. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's tough because we don't know like when this is all going to end, but I definitely think that the seniors who qualify for national championships should get an opportunity to swim at them because it is such a big deal to make it to that. And, like, times are crazy fast so i don't know if when this all ends maybe in the fall they could um postpone the meet until then and have it then but then it's like we've been out of the pool for so long is it even worth it are they going to go the times that they want are the seniors done at that point i don't know it's just a terrible situation in my opinion and it really sucks for the athletes that have dreamed of swimming in that level their whole lives and now they can't so just hard because swimming is a winter sport so they're not they don't get a red shirt year because they made it through a majority of their season so just a bad situation yeah just all around just sticky situation couldn't said it better myself um so now my final question emily this has been awesome but have you ever participated in an open water swim so with like sharks and stuff, because I've heard that those can get pretty chippy. People are like kicking under the water and stuff. I don't know if you've ever done like triathlons or whatever, like in like big lakes or like in the ocean. Um, have you? Yeah, actually, I used to be a pretty big open water swimmer. Um, I think I went to maybe like seven or eight open water meets. I've done a mile and a half swims I've done two mile swims and I've also done a couple 5k's and it's tough it's cold it's aggressive people will push you under swim on top of you you can't really see so most of the time they don't mean to but um honestly they're kind of fun and it's a cool feeling finishing them and being like wow I just swam three miles in a lake so yeah, pretty pretty doggy dog atmosphere in there too. It's what it sounds like. Yeah, pretty intense. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Emily. Uh, it's been great. Look forward to seeing you back on campus in the fall, hopefully. Um, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Paul. It's been an honor. So once again, very happy to have been able to have Emily on. I mentioned a few episodes back that the NFL had reached a new collective bargaining agreement between the Players Association and the owners, but I never really discussed it, so I'm going to do a quick rundown here of some of the basics in the new deal and some of my thoughts on that. So first off, uh, perhaps the most noticeable difference that we will see 
is there is a new season structure, and that includes both the regular season, excuse me, the preseason, regular season, and postseason. So in 2020, we will have our typical 16-game regular season with the postseason expanded from 12 to 14 teams. And in 2021 and past that, the NFL will have the option to expand the regular season from 16 to 17 games, which is expected to happen. So if and when the NFL moves to 17 games, each team will receive a bye week in place of a fourth preseason game. So I like that they're at least getting rid of that final preseason game. The preseason is always such a tease. We think that you know football is here, but it's just a full month away, so that'll at least cut down the weight on that. But now it's time to embrace debate. Will the players complain about being rusty at the start of the season more or less now that they know that they voted on this happening? So you still always hear, oh, it's week one, it's week two, it's week three. We're still getting our stuff together, even though they had a four-week preseason to figure it out. Now that the players, for the most part, voted to have the season, the preseason reduced, they're going to be able to use that excuse more. Will they? Will they not? I don't know. We'll see. Embrace debate. All right. Um, what I don't like the most about the regular season change is that all single season records will now have to have an asterisk because everything will be preseason expansion or postseason expansion. Any record that was set for touchdown passes thrown, touchdowns received, offense, defense, literally any single season record, you're going to have to know, okay, was it when there were still 16 games in a season or was it when there was 17 games in a season? And that's just annoying. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. I'm going to enjoy watching the extra week of football, but I still don't love it. Now with the playoffs, so the way it will work starting next season, like I said, up to 14 teams in the playoffs, that'll be one per conference. The NFL has added two more wild card spots. So there will now be three wild card teams in the NFC, another three in the AFC, for a total of seven playoff teams per conference. In each conference, you'll see the one seed getting a first round bye. The two seed will play the seven seed. The three will play the six, and the four and five will play as well. This doesn't really increase the value of having a one seed because you already saw one seeds getting first round buys in years past. But this, I mean, this is this is bad for two seeds um, who used to get a buy as well. But now, for for a two seed in the NFL playoffs, it will take three wins to reach the Super Bowl as opposed to two. And if you aren't sold on the importance of having buys in the NFL playoffs, I read on ESPN that the last team to make it to the big game without a bye were the Joe Flacco-led Baltimore Ravens in 2012. So the number two seed has been reduced in value to essentially a number seven seed other than the the home field advantage. So it could create fun in the playoffs for the casual fan, but for diehards, for a team that's fighting for that two or three seed, it just makes the regular season frustrating and feels like it cheapens that because why try if you won't get the one seed? So other than home field advantage, like I said, there isn't much of a why. And so this this could water down the playoffs. Um, personally, I don't have a problem with nine and seven teams making the playoffs. I mean, we've had teams with, with 10 and six records miss in years past, and I just think that's stupid. So there are definitely pros and cons to the new season structure, but we'll see how it plays out. Now, in terms of money with this new with this new agreement, This means more money for both players and owners. That extra regular season game and the extra playoff matchup mean extra money for the league. And in terms of proportions, the players will also see improvements from receiving 47% of the league revenue in 2020 
to for the next 10 years following that, um, the duration of this new agreement, it'll bump up to 48%. So it doesn't seem like a lot, but it's going to be a lot. Now, player salaries. Um, by 2029, there will be a $1 million minimum salary for an NFL player. That's big time. And I think that could be really bad for the XFL moving forward because we talked about the XFL wanting to pull in players, you know, with with the sales pitch of, look, you can be the best player in a city that doesn't have an NFL team like a Jordan Tayamu, but nobody's passing up a minimum of $1 million a year to play in the XFL if they have that option. Now on to drugs. Josh Gordon can use weed now. And it makes sense, honestly, because it's legal in so many regions across the country. Um, but the NFL is not going to penalize players at all if they test positive for marijuana. I think it's kind of a bummer because we're going to be missing out on on Stephen A. Smith telling players to stay off the weed. Other than that, I don't really care. It's legal in America. It should be legal in the NFL. Um and holdouts. This is actually my favorite part of this new CBA. So there are increased fines for holdouts and players who leave training camp without permission and players under contract who fail to report to camp on time or leave for more than five days without permission will no longer be eligible to earn an accrued season for that year. So say you're in your fourth season or excuse me, you just completed your fourth season. You need your fifth season because then your minimum salary will go up. You can't be doing this holdout stuff. I, I love this I because it drives me crazy when I hear that Ezekiel Elliott just isn't showing up to 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 camp in the summer. Um, I think if you want to be on a team, you gotta you gotta figure out how to be with the fellas and and put all the money stuff aside. And it really drives me crazy when I see people holding out on on off season camps. So I think this is great that they're they're gonna be penalizing players more often. I think a lot of I think a lot of players also, we're probably for this in the voting, uh, just because like you want to see your teammates held, held accountable, and you want to see those guys showing up to work um, to build up that chemistry with the boys. But the problem with all of these new season arrangements heading into this upcoming season is it just who knows when anything is going to start. If there's even going to be an off season that players have the ability to hold out on, or will COVID nineteen just continue running rampant? and postpone the NFL starting. I had not heard anybody talking about postponing the NFL. I don't even think that's like really a thing being considered right now, but if it is, oh, that would hurt. That would just that would really take the air out of my tires. Got to be honest because we're already missing the start of the MLB. Yesterday was supposed to be the home opener. Um yeah, really just a bummer. Uh tonight ESPN is is airing on ES on the ESPN main channel. Trey Young versus DeAndre Ayton, two NBA players playing 2K against each other, playing NBA 2K20. I mean, it's really come to this, but I'm definitely going to tune in and watch these guys play video games and probably be entertained by it because that's the point that we're at right now. But it is what it is, and we're going to figure it out. So now a new segment that I'm debuting right now as as we speak, as I speak, is the St. Louis Sports Calzone phrase of the week. So this week's phrase is silky mitts. The sport is hockey, and according to the thehockeywriters.com, silky mitts refer to when a player's hands, often referred to as their mitts, are silky when they have great skill. 
So this can also be known as sweet hands. And it can be used as an expression. For example, hey man, how was the test today? Silky mitts, bro. It was cheese. No worries. That is our phrase of the week. Another tiny segment that I'll develop more in future weeks. I'm calling it the board man gets paid. Referring to uh, Kawhi Leonard's catchphrase. And because I've been very bored recently, and I know a lot of you have all been very bored recently. So just a few ideas on what to do when you're bored. What I've done recently is I watched the 2006 World Series film on YouTube. The Cardinals have it on their YouTube page, and it's just like free. You don't need like a YouTube Red premium subscription or anything. Uh, You just go and watch it. I'll tell you what, that Cardinals team, it was the first Cardinals team that I ever knew as a young kid. You got Albert Pools, David Eckstein, Scott Rowland, Sotaguchi, Jeff Supon was so clutch. Oh, my word. Um, how about Chris Carpenter, Jimmy Edmonds, Juan Encarnacion? Super fun team to watch. They only won 83 games in the regular season, uh, but they were scrappy. They got after it in the playoffs, and watching that, World Series film on YouTube was super fun when I was bored. But then I finished watching it, and then I was bored again. So trying to figure out more things to do when I'm bored, but the bored man gets paid. And here's something that's unrelated but big if true. Sled dog racing is still continuing on through COVID-19. So I had a source confirm that the Iditarod sled dog race, the biggest sled dog race in the world, happens once every year. Forged on through uh, about five days ago up in Alaska or wherever they wherever they do those things. And that's pretty crazy because COVID-19 was going on. And I wonder if those guys, I mean, because it's like a three-week-long trek through the Alaskan wilderness with these dogs, man. When they came back, their worlds were probably just turned upside down. They found out that this... You know, everybody's having this pandemic and stuff, but they were just out in the wilderness with their dogs. And I think that's pretty cool that they just kept going. So now I'm going to finish off by talking a little Billikens basketball. So with the NBA draft coming up in June, Bill Studs Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French both declared for the draft. But let's be honest, they're not going to get drafted. But it's okay because they're maintaining their eligibility by not signing an agent so I think we're good. Um, next year, Scots are going to be flocking to games to see those two play along with Javante Perkins, who I personally think has the most polished offensive game and could be ready to go to the league. He just doesn't do a whole lot else for an NBA team, but next year is going to be super fun. Also, with the NBA draft, LaMelo Ball, the youngest brother of the Ball family, is leaving the Illawarra Hawks for the NBA draft, like we all knew that he would. But in doing so, he bought the team. So he's my age. He's 19. He uh, he would have been a freshman at UCLA before his dad pulled him out of that scholarship a couple years ago. And instead of going to college, he just went to Australia to play professionally, and that was just going to be his route to the NBA. I think this might be the biggest baller move done ever. I mean, like, just ever by anyone. Because even though they coined the phrase big baller, I think it's fair to say that other people not in the ball family can do big baller moves. But this, this, I mean, this is just the biggest baller move ever. He's 19. He goes and plays professionally in Australia. And in leaving the team to go to the NBA, he just buys the team. I don't even really know why he bought the team, but he did. So that's crazy. And that'll wrap it up for this week, folks. 
I tried to keep this one pretty short so you could go enjoy your Friday evening or your Sunday evening or whatever day of the week you're listening to this episode on. Every day is pretty much the same day of the week during quarantine, so who knows? But moral of the story, flatten the curve. Um, Keep getting after it, everybody. And social distancing. Peace out. Something happening here But what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down being wrong Nobody's right If everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds Are getting so much resistance From behind Time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Field day for the heat. A thousand people in the street singing songs and a carrying signs. Mostly say hooray for our side. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody looks what's going down. will creep It starts when you're always afraid Step out of line The man come and take you away We better stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Stop now